1: Everybody, my name is Steve. I'm an alcoholic. It's good to be here and it's good to be sober. Um, this is my home group, and my sobriety date is April 22nd, 2005. Um, I'll try and keep this short, although that's never been one of my strong points. Uh, sponsorship. Um, basics, my first sponsor, he took me through the steps as they were outlined in the big book, and uh, it brought about that, that change in my perception that I needed to stay sober. Um, and he really. Uh, You know, both, you know, my first sponsor and my sponsor currently, both of them, um, you know, my experience with The Second Step is that I look at them and I see uh, the program working in their lives and I see that they're happy and I see that they're joyous and they're free and it, it, you know, encourages me to take action to to get that same result. Um, And, uh, you know, the other thing is that I know that I need to continue to stay active in sponsoring others and continue to get this, you know, to give this thing away. I need to have somebody ahead of me who's setting an example for me, and I also need to set an example for somebody else, because they're all watching me, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, good on some days and bad on others. But um, it's, it's really uh, as long as I stay in the middle of my sponsor, you know, who's further down the path than me, and I got guys who are following me, I'm pretty uh, safe. So I'm, I'm going to keep my promise and keep it short, and I'll introduce our speaker tonight, Heidi. <laughs>
0: everybody. My name's Heidi and I'm an alcoholic. Hi. Uh, hi, that was a great talk, Steve, and thank you so much for asking me to speak, and uh, mm-hmm. thanks for everybody being so welcoming, and, and Megan, I love you, and um, I'm really just grateful, so so grateful for AA, and just, I get, you know, I don't know, I'm such a, <laughs> some people laugh at me sometimes because um, we read through those 12 traditions, and I just choke up every time we get to the 12th tradition about, you know, how practicing a genuine humility and, you know, to live in thankful contemplation of God who presides over us all, and um, that just touches me so much. Um, it really does. Um, so my, um, my home group is the Atlanta group. I'm, um, I live in New York City, and you're all welcome. You're all invited to come. Our big excited speaker meeting is on Tuesday nights. It's a three-speaker meeting. And we also have one Saturday night, and um, you're all welcome. Please come um, if you ever want to come. Just get my number from Megan or Jim or Steve, and uh, we'll save you a seat. Um, we're a fun, you know, enthusiastic bunch, um, much like you, I'm sure. And I know that you guys have Clancy coming out here. He's going to do a gig here, and then he's going to do a gig on, at our at our joint on Tuesday night. So, <laughs> so that's cool. He's making the rounds. Um, I'm sober since um, September 3rd, 1990, and um, I have a sponsor, and um, I got sober three days after my 16th birthday, and that's just my story, the only story I have. And uh, if anybody's sitting here thinking, oh, God, I'm not going to identify with her because she came in young, maybe her drinking looks different than me, I just want to encourage you to um, try to identify with the feelings. And, um, you know, speaking of sponsorship, um, I always love to share about my first sponsor, Annette. And, um, you know, anyone who's heard me speak multiple times is like, all right, enough with the Annette stories, but, um, or maybe not, you know, but she, she really she really saved my life. Um, she was, um, she was a, a person, an alcoholic who didn't get sober until she was 63, and um, she, you know, like her excuse could have been, you know, well, what's the point? I'm so old now, I might as well just drink myself to death, you know, and I was 16, and I could have said, well, why would I get sober now? I'm too young. You know this doesn't make any sense, and the thing is, is that we were exactly the same. <laughs> we were exactly the same on the inside. And um, what happened for me is, um, I'll backtrack and you know kind of tell you a little bit about my my story and where I came from and what my life is like today and what it's what it's been like. I mean, there's been a lot of life. You know, um, I've been you know sober for. You know, all my adult life at this point, you know, and I've probably made more mistakes in my sobriety, you know, at this point because there's been more, more time to make mistakes and, uh, you know, just see my alcoholism look different and, um, and that's okay. Like, that's why I have a 10-step and why I can continue working this program and why I need to stay active in AA. Um, it's really, really important to me and, um, you know, it's like what I did yesterday, is not, I can't stay sober on what I did yesterday. It might work for a little while. It's good insurance. You know, um, Dr. Bob and his story talks about taking out insurance against a possible slip. Um, and that's good sometimes for a while, like if I've got to go on a business trip and I've got to go a stretch without meetings or whatever. But ultimately, I have to look for ways for me, you know, each day that I can renew this program and keep it fresh. And um, you know, this morning I was in a big book study, and we were talking about. We actually read. Um, it's this. We do a Joe and Charlie big book study. It's called Bagels and Big Book, and it's a, a big, like a big book workshop. The first and third Sunday of every month, and um, it's it's so cool. My current sponsor actually started it because she attended a a big book, um, a, you know, the Joe and Charlie weekend, and and she and this other guy Vince from my home group wanted to. Um, it was just, you know, I mean. The story, the way I kind of heard it, is they were kind of worn out from like indiv- you know, meeting with people individually and trying to tell them, you know, give them the message of Joe and Charlie. So they thought, you know what? Let's bring a bunch of people together and and share this with everybody, and then that way, you know, we'll create more big book sponsors. And um, so anyway, this this Joe and Charlie big book study bagels and big book started in my sponsor's living room, and then. Um, this was like years ago, and now it's, you know, it's in the meeting schedule. Um, but anyway, we were there this morning, and it's a huge meeting. It's crazy, you know, to people there on a Sunday morning to listen to these, you know, two old guys who are just so much, so fun, you know. And um, and uh, anyway, we were reading how it works, and, um, and I was thinking about another man who was really instrumental in, in my sobriety when I first got sober, Armand. And at the time, and I just share this because... You know, I, I practiced something that I learned from Armand as a newcomer tonight. And what that was, was, um, you know, I'd always watch Armand, and he was he was one of the founders of my first home group. And Armand, every time, we always read How It Works in the beginning of the meeting. And I would always see Armand. Armand's actually sponsored by Clancy, too. Um, and I would always see Armand. He'd put his glasses on. He would follow along with his finger, you know, like as if it was the first time he was ever reading How It Works. And to me, this was like the oldest of the old timers, you know, and it was just, he really showed me this example of the humility with which he approached the literature after all that time. And, um, and I, I still do that, you know, even though sometimes I'd rather, you know, check my phone or I'd rather think about something else. Um, it's just a good exercise for me to, you know, to, to look at the book again and, and to sort of look at like, you know, what does this mean to me today, right now? you know cuz i need i need like a, a program that's going to work for me right now so anyway a little bit about where i'm from i'm um i got to on the west coast i'm from the from uh seattle area um the northwest it's dark and and rainy and um you know i got to tell you i didn't ever notice how sort of gray and um you know all the time it is until i moved to new york and there were seasons <laughs> but i think part of it was just i lived in my own world i mean i really did <laughs> like just kind of lived in my own kind of world i mean i really i really did like i just had my own stuff going on all the time from the time i can remember it was all about me um all about my fear um you know i grew up in an alcoholic home um you know just um, you know, and that was really important when I first got sober. I had to tell everybody about how my parents were alcoholics and it was so hard, it was so rough, blah blah blah. Um, you know, really and actually probably for many years in AA, it was a big it was like my back pocket. You know, it was it was that, you know how you, like I don't know if anybody here can relate to this, but it was the one thing I could pull out, you know, that like, you know, that was like an excuse, you know, for for all my dysfunction, for all the reasons why I couldn't have a relationship, for the reasons why I was in debt, for the reasons why I didn't have tools, you know, like I didn't get, you know, and the reason why I wanted to move apartments all the time, and the reason why, you know, I didn't know how to be direct with men, you know, if they would ask me out, the reason, you know, just that was, that was the reason. It's because I've got an alcoholic mother and I have, a, you know, an alcoholic father who's very seductive and they're both narcissists and blah, 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 and psychobabble and da, 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 you know, and, um... And you know the truth is is that um, my sister. You know the the truth is is that like whatever. I'm sure that I could I could get a professional to, to validate all of all of that. You know I'm sure that I could and, and I have done I have actually done a lot of outside work and it's been really beneficial. It's been a, a great um, you know it's it's really helped my AA program to support me when I have dealt with outside issues. Um, and I have you know and that's something you know if anybody um, just has. Alcoholism. That's awesome. Um, that hasn't been the case with me. Um, I'll just share with you. I'm kind of going all over the place, and I hope that's okay. But you know, I went to treatment at two and a half years sober with major depression and an eating disorder. And you know, I was working the steps. You know, I was working the steps. I was active in a home group. I was GSR of my home group. And the truth is, is that I needed help. You know, I needed I needed some outside help. And uh, you know, and I had to deal with deal with some other things in sobriety. Does that make me a bad AA? No. You know, it just means that this other stuff came up, and thank God, you know, I had, I had this home group of, like, you know, all these old drunks being, like, watch, you know, we don't understand this outside issue, like, you know, my, my first sponsor, Annette, had to, like, watch Oprah to, like, understand, you know, what, what this, like, crazy girl was going through, you know, she had to, like, you know, they didn't get it, but they sent me lots of cards in in treatment, you know, and, you know, and they did, you know, And, and they, they, you know, they, they, um you know, they told me that, that um, no matter what, you know, I could get through it sober without picking up a drink, you know, and every every challenge that I've had in AA has has been like that, you know, that AA has just has been there for me, and, and I try to be there for AA, you know, too, but um, anyway, back to the way I grew up, I mean, I always grew up feeling different, we moved a lot, you know, we, we moved, like, every, you know, I think I went, change schools nine times by the time that I was in eighth grade, and what that did... For me, you know, the tool I developed was being a really good chameleon, you know. I um, you know, was really good at sort of making friends. Um, I also have that very overly dependent personality type. I want you to like me. You know, I um, always, you know, was sort of like teacher's, I wouldn't say like Eddie Haskell, teacher's pet, but I was also always like really, you know, had to have the teacher like me. I was always perfectionist kid. Um, my primary emotion that I remember growing up was feeling worried um, feeling like I was on the outside looking in there 's a picture of me when i 'm about four years old that really accurately sort of gives me a p- a picture it, it really it shows how i felt and it 's a what what it is, is in the foreground is my little sister and she 's like you know has a dress on with no underwear and she's just adorable and she has a big floppy hat on and she 's holding on to my uncle 's leg and she 's so cute and i 'm like <laughs> in the background like lurking you know I mean I'm like this cute cute little blonde haired girl and like I'm just I'm sort of like and I you know I don't know if I remember that that moment because I've seen the picture so much or if I really remember that moment but what the feeling was how do I get in there how do I how do I like hang around with that much you know effortlessness and how do I just you know, how do I have fun and be cute too? You know, and I was always, you know, by the time I was seven, um, you know, I was always trying to be older than I was. I was, you know, dressing up in feather boas and makeup and you know, that was just normal around my house. Like that's what I did to to play, you know, was just, you know, put lipstick and eyeshadow on and um you know, I guess moving moving around a lot and and uh, my parents getting divorced and have a single mom and, you know, there were like you know, I just, I saw a lot of things, and I was around a lot, um, and, uh, around a lot of things, and, and, um, you know, I think that what started to happen is, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm really, uh, so my mom, um, I'm just going to share this, my mom just started a prison sentence last week, and, um, and uh, she's, been, she's been in and around, in and out of AA for since 1985. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that my little sister came out of the same family, right? And she didn't find it necessary to hit, you know, she doesn't have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind of alcoholism like I do. You know, she came out of the same family and she, you know, she was able to, you know, maintain a functional life. You know, and um, and that wasn't the story with me. Um, what happened for me is um, around the time I was 10, I did my first geographic. Um, and, you know, this is another sign to me. Like, you know, I, there's all these little things that I know that I'm, I'm an alcoholic and that I would be an alcoholic even if I came out of, like, the Cleaver family, right? <laughs> so, you know, I know because, you know, I can't argue. I mean, the, the one thing I can't argue with is I cannot argue with the allergy of the body. I cannot argue with the fact that you know, times when I meant to only have one or two drinks, I would find myself obliterated Times when I said I'm not gonna drink, I would end up drunk and I didn't know how it happened and then you know the other thing I can't argue with and that I've never been able to you know talk myself out of is that mental obsession, right And you know the thing it like when I wasn't drinking because I very quickly after I started drinking started controlling my drinking, right. I was like, I'm not drinking. You know that part, there's a story in the the big book that talks about, like, Jim, the alcoholic car salesman, and he, you know, and he's like, you know, I drove out into the country, still no thought of drinking, you know, blah, 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 wasn't even thinking about drinking. You know, and it's like, that's how I was. I was like, I am not even thinking about drinking at all. Like, it's not even coming into my mind. And if I'm, (laughs) you know, it's like I was... I was thinking about drinking because I was thinking about not drinking, and that's the same thing as thinking about drinking, but anyway, (laughs) right, that's like faulty alcoholic logic right there, but, um, so, you know, basically what happened is around the time I was 10, um, it was the summer before I went into sixth grade, things were getting pretty bad at home, um. And my solution was, um, you know, one sunny summer day was, you know, my, my little sister, who's now actually active in Al-Anon, thank God, she, um, you know, she stayed. And my solution was, you know what, i got to get out of here. Things, things are getting bad. So at 10, I decided it would be a good idea to move a couple states away and move in with my aunt in Palm Springs. It seemed, you know, kind of glamorous. You know, again, I was like way older than my years. I was like, you know, I'll go move in with Aunt Becky. And she was a single mom, too, and we, you know, and I was like, you know, I'll go down there, I'll be a nanny, I was going to teach, my, um, teach my, uh, my, my cousin manners, that was the idea there. But really what it was, is like, my aunt wasn't home a lot, and so it was like me and my little cousin... But you know, my point is, is that I had that ism. You know, the reason why I'm telling you what happened before I took, I picked up a drink, is that I had that ism even before I picked up a drink. You know, and another thing, the great thing that my sponsor says is, she says I have alcohol ism, not alcohol wasm. You know, and it, and it's true. You know, I had all that stuff going on, and so then when I poured alcohol on top of it, it was like a disaster. So I like, pulled this geographic. You know, I moved in with my aunt, and around Christmas I got a call from a uh, my other aunt saying that my mom had been admitted to rehab, and anyone who's ever been to a rehab, um, what they do is they educate the family. It was this very dramatic thing. I flew home to Washington, and I think I saw my mom get a chip, and the counselors educated, um, you know, me and my sister, and I think, you know, that we got all this like these handouts, these alateen handouts, and you know, and the, they gave us these like treatment center, you know, pie charts that showed, you know, the percentages of. Alcoholic daughters who become alcoholics, and you know, I learned the word heredity and propensity for the illness, you know, and the disease, and you know, I learned all these things, and you know, and I think I even sort of started dropping into like ACOA meetings, and I remember like, you know, I was like 12, and like, you know, I would stand, you know, stand in a circle and sort of, you know, cry, and it was very emotional, and. You know, I mean, I thought I was getting in touch with all these things. And I, you know, I really wasn't. I was like getting in touch with my ego is really what it was, you know, because what happened is, you know, I had all this self-knowledge, right? I was like, oh, yeah, you know, better be careful around drinking better, you know, better be careful. And I got to tell you, like, it totally like I heard it, but it just didn't I didn't looking back now it's like it didn't apply to me you know it didn't it was like uh-huh, thanks for the information and you know within 6 months i had the idea one day after after 6th grade you know after school that it would be a good idea to steal alcohol from my father and i remember the first time you know and what one of, i remember that first time and i drank the way that i i typically drank during my drinking which was with one little girlfriend who couldn't have cared less if we drank you know and i was like let's drink like that was the activity And, um, we took the alcohol, we went down to the beach and I remember throwing my head back and, you know, the wind was blowing and, you know, it was, this very dramatic. I was also, you know, a big part of my story and probably still today is like the dramatics and the scene and the, you know, the wind blowing and we were on the rocks and the bluff and, you know, and I remember that warm feeling, you know, that warm feeling and that sense of ease and comfort that I got from, from taking that alcohol, you know, and, um, I had taken sips of my dad's, um, my dad's alcohol before, but it was the first time that I felt like I could do something by myself and I could, I could get something, you know, it was like that. I can finally get something and do something for myself, you know, now if I didn't have the allergy of the body that might, it might not be a a problem, but the problem is, is that I had that feeling and then I wanted more. You know and then that that feeling then became paramount that desire for that feeling became became more important than, than anything else that I, I had going for me you know I was I had been like you know pretty much like a straight A student you know I had I had good friends you know good friends and you know within a year after I started drinking at 11 I dropped out of all my honors classes um, changed friends you know I still had a couple of those like nice, good friends. And it's funny, actually, there's a, um, a social networking website that I recently finally joined. I'm sure you all know which one I'm talking about. But all these <laughs> these girls that I went to middle school with um, have been reconnecting with me. And lately, there's been this conversation about all these memories from junior high. And I got to tell you, I do not remember any of them. I don't remember. I, I really don't remember. And, um, you know, just Pretty much what happened for me is, I, you know, I started drinking and, um, you know, there's not any, like, glamorous social drinking. I thought it was glamorous. I had my own, you know, I lived on a cul-de-sac in this, like, little town called Bainbridge Island and I had my own little universe going on in my room. It was like, we were like this nice sort of, like, you know... Picturesque house on this beautiful cul-de-sac on Bainbridge Island, and then there was my room, which was like you know one little alcove painted dark green and like weird you know scar you know weird tapestries hanging from the ceiling and like Pink Floyd, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, like these were all my heroes, you know, and um, <laughs> you know plus like Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton. I don't know if anyone knows those writers, but like those were you know those were my heroes. And both those you know, both those you know those po- female poets died by sticking their heads in the ovens, you know, and not <laughs> You know that's that's what I aspired to, you know, and I, I really I did ident- like I identified with that darkness, you know. That's what made me feel alive. And um, so basically what happened is um, you know, during the course of this, I just, you know, I started out by just, you know, I started out by just like stealing my dad's whiskey and um, you know, just, you know. Just drinking, 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 I mean pretty much the way it went is I would have my, my one little girlfriend, I would be like, Let's get drunk and um, I would take us into the kitchen, I would line up the shots and you know, and we would drink and then we'd go sit down and you know, and we'd go back to watching the movie that would whatever whatever we were doing. And um and and I always remember I was like, I'm not feeling it yet. We you know, it was like I couldn't get the alcohol in fast enough. And um, you know, quickly what started to happen is, you know, Um, You know, it was like hard alcohol was the problem because it made me throw up. And so then it was like, well, just drink beer, you know. Um, But then somebody would have some hard alcohol, and so I'd drink that. Um, You know, I was barely showing up at school, um, fighting with my dad. You know, I was a kid um, in class that the teachers would, like, you know, shake their head about. You know, my dad was a teacher at my high school school. Um, and, you know, oftentimes he walk through the attendance office and the this secretary would be like, where was, you know, Heidi wasn't there first period, what's going on? And he'd be like, oh, she was sick. And then later on he'd be like, why weren't you at first, and, you know, where were you? And I'd be like, oh, you know, 24 hour flu. That was always my excuse, 24 hour flu. Or I was, you know, I was having my monthly, you know, thing. That's a really good excuse. That's a really good thing to throw in for a dad. Um, I also, you know, during this time I was stealing money out of my dad's wallet. Um, he, you know, my father, um, my father is, is a heavy drinker and he kind of goes to bed around eight or eight thirty, which was perfect for me. Cause I, I had people going in and out of my room all the time and, um, he would leave his wallet on the counter and I would, I would just take money out of his wallet. And, um, you know, and at that time I remember just, you know, feeling like, you know, he didn't pay child support for all those years, so I would just garnish his wages myself. <laughs> you know, and, like, this is... So, like, my point is, is like, what does this have to do with drinking? Like, what does that have to do with drinking? I mean, you know, it has, it has something to do with alcoholism, right? Because I had that resentful, entitled thinking. Like, he owes me. The world owes me, you know? And that is a line of thinking that I really had to work on in sobriety, you know? Like, you know... Having to go to work, like, don't you know how hard I work? You know, I'm a good AA, I stay sober, I help people, and now you want me to work, you know, I mean you want me to I owe all this money for tax. I mean, I really I've had to work with these these old ideas. I mean, I'm glad people are laughing that I'm not the only one who has this kind of like bananas kind of like thinking, you know. Um The other day, I was talking to my sponsor, and I gave her a list of all the stressors i would had in my life, and I was expecting her to say, wow, that's really, you know, God, that's mind-blowing. You've been through so much in the last couple weeks. She said, yeah, well, welcome to adult life, you know. She just wasn't even giving me an inch, but, um, so... You know, during this time, I'll give you another, just one more example of an abnormal reaction to alcohol. But um, I went to Russia when I was uh, 14, between uh, freshman and sophomore year. Um, I was 14 years old, and I was involved in a theater company, and um, you know, and uh, and it was this, it was actually a really cool experience, and I wish I could have actually experienced all of it. But um, what I remember a lot, mostly from that Russian trip, was um, was the cognac-filled chocolates the Stoli that I bought um, from the little tourist shops with the credit card my, my dad and my stepmother had given me and the older guy that I was obsessed with, right? Um, and, of course, you know, that's another part of my story, is this sick, obsessive relationship. He was older than me. You know, I was like, you know, he... You know, I thought our, we were going to finally, like, you know, sort of take care of our unrequited love in Russia and, you know, it was going to be this romantic thing. And, you know, I just... That whole fantasy life, you know, I just had that fantasy of, of what it was going to be like, and I was so dramatic, and, you know, and um, again, you know, I thought we were like, you know, 25 and living in New York City, and really, like, we were, you know, two kids from Bainbridge Island, and we were doing a musical in Russia, but um, anyway, so um, we, uh, you know, we were in Russia, and, um, you know, one particular night, um, he... I thought we were going to get together that night, and um, and I saw him, you know, beautiful Siberian, you know, the, the sun is setting. We're in our hotel cour- courtyard. We, it was a collaboration with this Russian children's theater company, and, um, you know, we're sort of playing, game, you know, Russian games in the courtyard. It, it should be this, like, sort of idyllic, you know, sort of picture of youth, and uh, and uh, and I remember seeing him sort of go and basically ask out the Russian ballerina, you know, who was, of course, the most beautiful, like, everything that I wasn't, you know, she was sort of, like, statuesque, and, you know, she was... Short, like I always wanted to be whatever I wasn't, you know. And she was, she didn't speak English, so that was even more. And plus, she played the firebird in the play, so she got to wear this like spandex red, like beautiful thing. And I played Heinous the Troll, you know, that was my role, yeah. And um, you know, I had like blacked out teeth and a skull cap with like, you know, and um, and I remember just standing back, you know, and and seeing this happen in the sunset and seeing them sort of like go together. And you know, a, a normal fourteen-year-old girl might. See that happen, and they might, you know, they might feel upset and talk to their girlfriends, maybe write in their journal, and you know, talk about how, you know, whatever. And I just remember like turning on my heel and going, you know, calmly back into into the hotel. And I got the key from the little hotel maid to his room because, of course, i bought a bottle of vodka and put it in his room, right? And um, and I just proceeded to drink the bottle of vodka. And, um, you know, by 2 in the morning that night, I was on the phone with my mother from Siberia, you know, crying and going, Say the serenity prayer with me, Mom. Say the serenity prayer with me. Okay? Because, side note, by this time, my mom was dropping in every now and then and taking me to AA meetings. You know, and um, it's that whole like head full of AA, belly full of booze thing. Um, And and you know, I'd always I'd go to the meeting with her, and I was total like interest observer. You know, I was like, oh, you know, you know, they'd ask me like, you know, do you want to share, little girl, or whatever? And I and I'd say, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm Heidi, and I don't know what I am, but I just think it's so great what you're doing for my mother, and um, you know, and
1: uh, yeah, and um.
0: And I, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, too. And I remember, you know, that whole, like, I'm not drinking thing. Um, the last New Year's before I got sober, I, I started to get an inkling that, that alcohol was maybe a problem for me. And I started to write in my journal, like, okay, I'm not going to drink for two weeks. And then the next entry would be uh, I'm drunk again, you know. I would, you know, list of goals you know, get an A in French, make my bed every day, cut down on drinking, and that, that just doesn't that doesn't work, you know. And I was also really afraid of misery and depression. And, um, you know, what happened was, I just want to speed up because it's about 10 after 9, right? I just spied someone's watch. I just want to keep an eye on it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, basically just the progression. And, um, and I was miserable when I was sober. And um, I was miserable when I was drinking. Um, it just, it wasn't, fun. I mean, there were some fun times. I mean, that's, that's the thing, like, I don't know if any of you have had this experience, like, it's, sometimes my disease can say, like, oh, there were those fun times, and there were those times when I could control it, and there were those times when I didn't drink every day. Yeah, okay, there were, but what happened when I drank? And, you know, the fact that once I started drinking, I couldn't, I couldn't control it, and the fact that there was so much um energy pumped into not drinking you know another expression that i've heard is that anything you have to control is out of control um and uh you know i really have been reflecting lately um just like i mean i i do a lot i think but every now and then lately especially i've just been thinking about what a miracle it is that i'm sober and i don't really understand why i don't understand why um I really don't because um, I didn't intend um, when I, you know, I didn't, it's not like I one day was like, all right, this is going to be the last time I'm drinking. I'm going to join AA and do it their way, you know, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, Really what happened is I was a kid who was totally lost. I was, you know, thinking about killing myself. I was wishing that I hadn't had enough guts to cut myself because I, you know, to, to hurt myself in some way. Um, but I'm such a coward that, that um, I couldn't do that. And I just, you know, I was obsessed with the older guy. And, um, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to make any kind of effective change in my life. And um, so another geographic, my mom um, got a job um, in a town a couple hours away as a drug and alcohol counselor at this high school, and, um, and I thought, okay, you know what, I will become a good girl again. You know, it was like I was gonna return, you know, return to goodness, you know. I thought that it would really be that easy, and I, um, I thought I just, you know, I was gonna quit drinking, and, and move in with my mom and, like, move away. And I have to say, like, you know, today I know, like, again, it was another geographic. However, I do have to say that where I was at in my life as a 16-year-old girl, it actually was a very effective... Like, that was an effective tool. Moving me away from my from the people I was partying with was actually a really effective tool. So I really don't regret... You know, I don't poo-poo the fact that I used that. Um, I didn't know I was, I was using that to, to get sober at the time. It just happened that way. And, you know, maybe I would have gotten sober if I would have stayed there, but I don't know. You know, I really, it's like I had to just, like, leave. Um, and so what happened is, like, I, um you know, I planned my last drunk. Um, and again, it was with one little hostage girlfriend. And, um, you know, and I remember, I had, like, this moment of clarity that last night. And I remember we were sitting in these two Two chairs and we were doing my favorite thing. We were watching a David Lynch film and um, you know, a weird some kind of weird psychotic, you know, disturbing film and you know, that I loved, you know. And um and I had you know, in, you know, had like the glasses chilling, whatever and I remember all the lights were off and there, the blue light was on our faces and um I had this moment, like this like bird's eye view above us. And I remember she was talking to me. It was like our last night together before I was moving. And she was talking, talking, talking. And she had her glass. And I had the bottle. And I had my glass. And I, it was like I saw from above what it, looked, what it was, what the situation was. And the truth was is that she was in the room with me, talking to me. And I was there with the bottle. And I could have been with anyone. I could have been alone. I could have been with anyone. But it was like I was with the bottle. And she happened to be there. And um, anyway... Big moment of clarity, and um, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I just remember having that sensation. So the next day, I I moved, and um, I was a wreck. Um, You know, uh, the the first nine months, I was dry. I was just kind of a spectator in AA. I, um, you know, I sort of like came to meetings late. You know, I just, it was like a buffet to me. I just sort of took what I want, left the rest. I mean, truth be known, it's not like anyone was telling me, Kit, you need to do X, Y, and Z. It was like, I just... I just didn't know that that was, you know, there were other things to do. I thought you just kind of, like, went to the meetings, and, you know, and I also, like, I identified myself as an addict for a long time because it was more general, you know, and I could also identify with it, you know, sort of like Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin were addicts, so it was, like, sort of, it was more of a personality trait, like me saying, Hi, I'm Heidi, and I'm dramatic, you know, (laughs) you know, it just sort of, it was less specific, you know. It just was, like, you know, and, and it was kind of cool, you know, and, um, and I learned the lingo, and, you know, I don't really know, like, the, the steps and the traditions. Nobody kind of talked to me about that. I think I had a big book, and, you know, and... Um and you know, within nine months, I was those first nine months, I was I was really dry, and I remember just you know so many nights being like crying and being like I don't know what's wrong with me, you know. I I would I would actually I would hit myself, you know. That's sort of self harm is a big part of my story, and I've done that you know I've done that in sobriety too. Actually, like punched myself, and you know, and um, I reached this point at about nine months sober where, um, you know, my mom. Um, we went to this big book meeting, and um, it was, I think it was probably the first time that I'd ever, you know, like, heard the big book, you know, like, heard it, you know. And, um, and I came home, and I just remember crying and crying and crying. She said, what's wrong? And, and what I realize now is that I was at this crossroads, you know. It was like I was either going to drink, you know, or I was going to kill myself. And I didn't know that there was another way. And, um, you know, and, and she said, what do you want? And I remember just imagining the deli up the street, you know, and imagining all the liquor there in the, in the refrigerator or just killing myself. I didn't know. You know, I just didn't know. And so, we, you know, I, I don't know how I got through that night. But the next week I went back to the meeting. I took the burning desire. I gurgled out some cry for help. And the man who was chairing the meeting, I always share this story. It was Armand, the guy who follows along with how it works. Um, <clears throat> he was you know, he looked at me and he said he didn't say thanks for sharing, you know, or keep coming back, kid. He looked right at me, the whole meeting was you know, was like, oh. and um and he said, Do you have a sponsor? And I said, No. And he said, Get a sponsor. And it was the first time someone had like looked at me and given me direction and and that was the biggest gift he gave to me. He didn't sort of like beat around the bush. You know, I'm like, oh, what's wrong with her? Like, oh, you know, I wonder what that could be. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, hello, it's alcoholism. You know, I'm treated alcoholism, and um, and so then the next week, I, I, you know, was. I'm so grateful I got Annette as my sponsor. And Annette, you know, she was the oldest member of the group. I was the youngest member of the group. There was nobody my age where I got sober. It really didn't matter. Um, Those old-timers in the group, they explained everything to me. You know, they they had me join. You know, they taught me how to join AA. They gave me a job. Um, You know, Annette took me through the book. She told me to highlight anything that I identified with, that I had questions about, that I agreed with, disagreed with. And um, what that did for me, I was just thinking about this this morning, is it, it made the big book come alive for me, you know? And so, like, I was able to find myself in this book when you think that, you know, well, I don't really have a lot in common with Bill, Bill Wilson, you know, one of the founders of our fellowship. But the truth is, is that when I went through his story, I had so much in common with him. You know, his, the tremendous ego that I had in me at age 11, you know, I totally identified with that. That, like, I, in the midst of all the excitement, I discovered liquor, you know. That's a line that I really keyed in on. Um, when I read the doctor's opinion, it was like, it was the first time that it was ever explained to me that it wasn't a moral issue. I wasn't a bad girl, you know, I wasn't a bad person. And that was actually a feeling that I'd had all my life. My mom told me, actually, that around the time I was, like, 10, that movie The Bad Seed came out. And I, I told her that I thought I was the bad seed. You know, I just always felt like there was something very bad about me. And that's actually, you know, that's actually something that I've had to really work with in sobriety, getting rid of that old idea. And um just a segue into, you know, like, living in sobriety, um, you know, how it works talks about like getting rid of all all of our old ideas and how the result is nil until we let go absolutely and that's something that I really try to work with in my inventory today um like if I have a resentment if I have a fear um what's the old idea that's kind of wrapping me around a pole um I'll come back to that in just a second but you know the way Annette was very um you know she taught me to be of service in my home group and do service outside the home group um she taught me really simple things, like always to give up my chair if there was somebody who was like had come late to the meeting and needed a chair you know she taught me to sit at the table, sit up front to pour coffee for people you know and um you know, she explained the first three steps to me very simply. It's step one, do you think you're an alcoholic or not? Step two, do you think AA can work for you? Step three, are you going to do AA or not? You know, and that was that was as simple as I kept it, and it's still as simple as I keep it some, some days. You know, um, a higher power, um, you know, it's interesting. I had a girl recently ask me, like, what's your higher power? And I was really, like, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> um, you know, a higher power, I just take the action, and then what's happened over time is that, you know, I've come to believe in in something greater than me, and for a long time, it was just, like, something that was better than me, something that wasn't as sick and crazy as me, and that was my sponsor, AA, the people that I would call and ask for help, um, the 12 steps, because what started to happen is that as I started to take action, you know, I started to get better, Um, you know, those early years were amazing, you know. I graduated high school in sobriety. You know, I used to get in my little car on, on my high school lunch and drive down to the nooner and like hang out with Edaholic and you know Crazy Ronnie and like you know all the all the, you know the old guys. But it was just, it was exactly what I needed to do, um, you know. And then I went I I went away to college and I was able to you know. The, first, the every time I've moved a lot in sobriety and every time that I've moved, I've, um, you know, always gotten a home group, gotten a sponsor, gotten a service commitment. Um, I just kind of want to touch on, on the steps and how, um, you know, just how those have come into my life. Um, so, you know, step one, two, and three are something that I do every single day. Um, every morning I try to say, good morning, God, you know, I'm an alcoholic and I need you to restore me to sanity um, and then you know, and then every day I try to take the actions that um, that will restore me to sanity. You know, like trying to be helpful and, and trying to also let other people help me. Um, you know, the third step, um, how I do that is is by taking the actions. Um, the first four step that I did was um, was amazing to me. It was totally mind blowing. I mean, I was a person who had spent all my life. Blaming other people um, or blaming everything on myself. Um, You know, I've swung to both those extremes in sobriety. Also, another thing that I just, you know, that has been a big aha for me the last few years is probably for the first 10 years in AA, I read the big book as being very like, you know, it was as if someone was taking a whip and being like, selfishness, self-centeredness, that's the root of your troubles. You know, you're screwed up. You're horrible. You know, so it was like when I wrote that four step and on, I got to that sort of that fourth column where it's like, what's my part? I was like, you know, I'm self-righteous and I'm judgmental and I'm this. Almost getting this like, you know, I won't say a sick pleasure, but like almost like, you know what I mean? Like... Like, I misinterpreted it. I misinterpreted what what the book was saying to me. You know, it wasn't saying you're a horrible person and you're really sick. You know, it was like when I first got sober, I would hear people say, you know, old-timers say, like, I'm a sick, self-centered son of a you-know-what. And so I thought that that's how I was supposed to talk about myself. I thought that that's what I was supposed to say to myself. And, you know, this... For me, this has been a program about ego deflation, and I knew I do need to remember that I can be very sick. And I hope this doesn't contradict anything that anyone you know thinks or believes or does for practices for themselves. But what started to happen to me is that um, uh, self hatred is a big defect of character of mine, and what started to happen is like I misinterpreted all that, and um, and I for a long time told myself how how sick I was. And any thought that I have is a bad thought. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I misinterpreted all that stuff about, you know, anger is the dubious luxury and I can't ever feel, you know, so I walked around, I think, for a decade being like, I'm, I'm never angry, you know. And if I'm angry, I'm a bad, I'm a bad person, you know. And so then, so what happened was, you know, I had like all this bottled up, like, rage that was turned inward, you know, and, um, and I, I got a little, I got sick kind of in sobriety and um, you know and and Jim and I were talking before the meeting that's it's possible and you know again, was it is it because I was a bad AA and I wasn't doing something right? No, it just meant that like, that was just part of my growth process. And, you know, when I first got sober, I used to hear old timers talking about the layers of the onion. I'd be like, layers of the onion? <laughs> what kind of program you work in, Mac? You know, like,
1: you know, like,
0: either you work, you know, you take the seven step and you ask for those defects to remove, or, or you don't, you know, like, I was so, I had such, you know, spiritual, you know what I mean? Like, I had such spiritual pride. Like, I really thought, like, the first time that I took, that I took a seven step, prayer that I said that seven step prayer which is where we ask God to remove those defects of character. I wrote the date down because so I want to like, I want to remember, remember the day that I became defect free. Right? And um you know it's so funny because God and I think I, I probably was defect free for you know for a little while and then you know kind of reality set in and um you know I got involved in a relationship you know and um and, uh, you know, and that was, and, you know, and I started having access to credit cards and, you know, <laughs>
1: you know,
0: and, um, and, you know, so I've gotten to do a lot of work um, with my defects at a continuing level. Um, just to share about that, actually, um, you know, I am, um, how much time do I have, like five minutes, two minutes, five minutes? Okay, um, I was, because it's an important part of, of my story and like where I'm at today. Um, I was I got engaged to you know boy meets girl on AA campus. Um, I was um, in college. I met a boy at an AA meeting and um, and um, and I just will share about this. The one thing that my sponsor, my first sponsor, never said, you know, don't date for your first year. There was never any direction given to me. But what she said to me, she would never address that issue because you know she just wouldn't. But what she would say is, we need to learn to be friends with men and women. That's all she would say. And so that was sort of my my credo was I just need to learn to be friends with men and women. I kept it that kept it that simple and that kept it that simple for me. I mean also there was no one really my age so no one was really interested in me unless they had you know, other stuff going on, um, or unless, you know, whatever. Just wasn't it wasn't appropriate. However, okay, so I met this I met this guy, and um, and I will say that you know he was new in town. He was very cute, and um, when the night that I met him, he was new at the meeting. I said, "Nice to meet you, Jamie. This is Mike. He'll tell you about the men's meeting." And I just share that because that's what I was taught to do. You know, just to like be welcoming, but then like it wasn't for me to be his welcoming committee. So fast forward a couple months later. I'm not saying that anything that anyone else does is bad, whatever. I'm just sharing what happened for me. So a couple months later, we started dating. We ended up engaged, and, um, you know, we were both in AA. It was great, you know, like, you know, active AA couple. You know, we, you know... Lay, you know, in our apartment together, both on the phone with Sonsi's, what could be more romantic, you know, like, <laughs> you know, go into meetings and, you know, both pray, you know, doing our 11-step together and taking 11-step retreats and blah, blah, blah. And um, around the time that um, I was about, I think, like nine years sober, um, he, um, we really grew apart, and um, I kind of lost touch with very basic like in, you know, sort of 10, 10, 11, and 12, you know, I was doing service, I was, you know, definitely active and had a sponsor, but I didn't have the kind of sponsor, I think that, um, you know, she was, she was wonderful, but I think that, you know, it was like, I'd call her with, like, my hair on fire, and she'd be like, well, why don't you just, you know, take a bubble bath and order some Chinese food, and I'd be like, uh, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <You know. laughs> <You know. laughs> you know. And, um, you know, the truth is, is I ne- I needed to like actually put pen to paper and draw columns. And I was starting to act out with him and, you know, and just in ways, you know, I just wasn't, I had no ability to be in an intimate partnership with somebody. And, um, he, um, one day was acting weird and I said, what's going on? And he said, you know, He first said, I'm not going to tell you, and then I said, you have to tell me now. And he said, I had a couple drinks um, the other night. And, um, you know, and it was like my world was so rocked, you know. Um, You know, granted, I wasn't really sure about if we were going to get married. But I just share about this because what happened is um, he had also gotten sober young, and he started to say things like, you know, I think I was, you know, I've done a lot of work since then. And, you know, I think that I'm a different person than I was now. And, you know, and, and like, I'm I'm taught, we're taught in this program that, like, we don't diagnose anybody. And, you know, and so I didn't say, like, you know, are you crazy? You know, I just, I said, okay, you know, and, and so then I started to kind of, you know, explore our sister fellowship, Al-Anon, to, like, get some tools to deal with that. But... What happened was I, I actually like I moved out. I got myself a sublet for a month because I just needed to think things over, and I didn't really know what was going to happen. But what happened for me is, is my alcoholism perked up, and I started to think, "Oh my God, maybe I maybe that's true for me too." And um, you know, and it, it really scared me. It really rocked me. And um, what happened is one day I was on my way to this sister fellowship, and I realized. This voice loud and clear said, "You don't need to go to that meeting. You need to you need to be at that AA meeting. Like that's where you that's where you need to be. You're in trouble. You're the alcoholic. Who cares about him? Not who cares about him, but like you need to do something, Missy, because you are on fire. You know you need the steps in your life pronto. You know in in an active real way. And uh, so I went to my meeting, the Atlantic Group, and um it was at the information break. They did we do a big book stumper stumper, and it was like." All that stuff, that's, like, what kind of group I got sober in. And I was like, oh, la, la, you know, and um, and I got Ava as my sponsor, um, you know, and I quickly got plugged in. I got into into service, and, um, and you know, and I was able to go through the, Ava took me through the book, and, you know, and I went to a couple different big book weekends, and, you know, it was like my, my the way I sponsored totally changed, um, you know, and the way, you know, my this ex fiance has soon you know he's he's now married to somebody else, and you know it's it's like we had a very amicable breakup. it was very dignified my my sponsor walked me through it you know she she taught me how to hire movers and and how to really walk through it with respect to his path, but also taking care of my own sobriety. you know, I learned that I don't have to listen. I didn't have to listen to him saying you know this is I'm like I didn't listen to him describing how much fun he was having going out because it was a trigger for me. It just was. Um, and just, you know, what my life is like today, I'm married to a guy who's not in the program. And um, just actually to, to piggyback on that, he I met him on a blind date and my one of my sponsees, um, her non-alcoholic husband had been friends with him and she had about a year sober and she had a little in her bonnet. She was like, I want you to have what I have. And I was like, leave me alone. I'm your sponsor. That's not the primary purpose. <laughs> and, you know? And she was like, I want to set you up on this blind date. And I said, you know what? This is not, you know, I'm your sponsor. This is not da da da. And, um, and then I went to my sponsor and she said, you're being way too rigid. Like you don't have to share about the date with her, you know, but what's the problem? Like you're, because I'm very rigid sometimes. And um, so I finally went back to her and I said, fine, I'll go on the date with him. And, um, you know, and it, and it worked out well. And he's my husband today. And it's like a miracle to me. It's been two and a half years. I'm married, you know. But it totally takes that idea of practicing the principles into to a new level. And, um, and, you know, I've learned to apply the traditions in our relationship. Like I, I think of him as my home group. You know, he's my other home group. And, um, you know, and I have to, you know, like my personal recovery depends upon, you know, our unity. I mean, it's interesting. It's been really interesting married to someone who's not in the program because um, he will sometimes say, you know, the most important thing to me. And, you know, and I know that my sobriety comes first. My sobriety comes first. And I've also gotten to learn how to be flexible with my AA program and how not to make it all about me. You know, I need to take care of myself and go to my meeting, you know, and my this and my that. You know, I've, I've I've learned. It's also helped me normalize some of, like, all that those old ideas I had. Like, I'm so sick. I'm this sick, sick, sick alcoholic. And, you know, I've learned that some of the emotions that I have as an alcoholic are, like, very normal emotions. It's just you combine them with alcoholism and it's, you know, they're just, like, in 3D, you know. Um, and just to wrap up actually you know um, um, you know every day I ask God to to keep me sober and um, and you know just try to try to do my best to be helpful and um, you know I am I am praying for my for my mother today and um, what I also know is that she has aA where she is and she has a sponsor and it's been amazing for me to um, to know that you know, not to get confused about her story and my story, um, and just to love her. And that's been a direct, as a direct result of the steps and of the ninth step. Um, I've really gotten to experience unconditional love with her and um, have been able to show up for her in, a, in ways that I never, I mean, she was one of the biggest, deepest resentments I had for years, 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 years. And, um, and you know, like, I wrote out the resentment time and time and time and time and time again. So I just share that, like, if anyone has a resentment that they they feel like, well, I've written this out already, I know what I'm going to find. I know what's in that fourth column. I know what my part is. Um, it really, for me, it didn't really matter. I just had to write it out again and maybe, you know, and I discovered new things and I went a little deeper every single time. Um, and then over time, like, it, it lifted and I found myself able to act differently. Um through gritted teeth, mind you, the, f- the first, um, you know, for, for a long time. And then it just, it, like, lifted. And um, anyway, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be sober and, um, and just grateful for, you know, that AA is here and that you're all here. And thanks for sharing sobriety with me tonight. Thanks. Thank you.